tonight I'm going to preach a message entitled, Look Up. Why don't you do that right now? Look up. Oh, see, that's how you get rid of the neck fat. You just look up. Look at that. Top tips with Pastor Joe on Sunday night. You know what else works? Everyone just don't smile. Now, for some, that's really hard. But just straight face. Now, everyone, <laughs> come on, Lynn. Settle down. Straight face, Lynn. Thank you, Lynn. All right. Now, everyone, smile. See? Instantly happy. How good is that? You know, I tested that theory the other day. I was driving along. Man, my straight face, my, like, resting face is not a good-looking face. And um, I look angry. I look really angry, like intimidatingly angry. And I thought, maybe I should just try smiling a little bit more often. And so I was like, so I smiled, and then I instantly just became happy. I'm like, man, that actually works. Like those call center people that tell you to like smile before you answer the phone, it actually works. It's awesome. And then you have a lot more fun with the person on the other end of the phone call anyway. Do you guys want to hear a story? I love sharing stories, eh? So I was uh, out to dinner one night, uh, just at Chermside, and there's a, well, it's not that new anymore. It was new last year, and it's still pretty new, and uh, I won't say which one, but um, you'd be able to work it out if you use the, you know, art of deduction. So it's at the front of Chermside Westfield, and it's Italian, and there's a car in there, and uh, I won't name the restaurant, but we were there, myself, Ivana, Pastor Mark, and Pastor Nina, on like a little couple's date night. It was great. And uh, we're sitting there and we, we finally get to order from the, the waiters. And uh, then one of the waitresses comes out with my coffee. And as she comes, she's like clearly on her first night. And, uh, and she trips a little and spills a little and then gets to me and says, oh, I spilt a little bit and then puts it down in front of me and says, oh, I'm really sorry about that, and then walks off. I'm like, half my coffee is out of the cup and on the saucer and a little bit on the ground. I'm like, you could offer to just make me, no problem, sir, I'll be back in a minute with a full cup of, they still charge me the full price, but they only gave me like half a cup. And I'm like, you gotta look where you're going. And I think what she was doing was she was looking at the cup. You don't do that. You don't look at a hot drink when you're carrying it. Do you all know that? Yeah, well, she didn't. She's a waitress. Unbelievable. So she's looking at my coffee like this. And, she, and I'm like, wow, like management, not really paying attention to their staff tonight. Like in my opinion, it's not her fault. It's the boss's fault. Didn't train her properly. She's supposed to look where you're going. Look up and you won't spill the hot drink. You know, it's good to look where you're going. The uh, Youth Alive Conference at the start of this year? Yes, yes, it was amazing. It was fantastic. Thousands of teenagers, literally thousands of teenagers from Queensland coming together, Southeast Queensland, to lift the name of Jesus. And it was awesome. And uh, there was some great God moments, but there was also just some great moments in that conference. And uh, I had the privilege of looking after the green room and all the guest speakers and just hosting them and serving them. And uh, Pastor Russell comes this one night and, uh, you know, he's chatting away in the green room and have a little coffee and, and then he's, you know, talking to this one and that one and he's like, oh, we should, we should go in and like praise and worship is finished now. Announcements is finished and the preacher's up on the platform. Pastor Russell walks in. 
he's walking along the top of the, the balcony area where we'd bring them in, and then there's these stairs, and you come down into the, the tiered seating section. Now, Pastor Russell thought it was a fantastic idea to wear slides to a conference that night. And as he's walking in, trying not to make an entrance, because it's not like, you know, praise is going on and the mosh pit's like, you know, mental. Like this is the preach moment where only one person is talking and that person is up on the stage. And Pastor Russell is walking down the stairs in his slides and boom, trips full on, like, like through the slides, down a couple of stairs, manages to like swing around and grab onto a chair and like land on his knee like this. And, uh, the whole auditorium turns to look at what is going on. And Pastor Russell just stays out for a little bit and then just sort of like just slides into his chair and uh, stays there and then realizes that his foot is bleeding and like pouring out blood all over. So then I had to run and find a Band-Aid for his toe. The moral of both of, both of these stories is look up. Like, look up so you know where you are going. Let me pray. We'll get into it. Lord, I thank you so much that we have your word. We have church. We have each other. Lord, most of all, we have you. God, I pray tonight that we would learn more about you, more about what you've left us to do. God, inspire us and encourage us tonight, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, to be able to see more, you have to position yourself well. You have to, you know, get above the crowd and sort of, you know, look out and, you know, look up and, and sort of position yourself so you can see well. You need to get a good vantage point. You need to, you know, if you, if you want to get, you know, the right shot, you got to get the right angle. You know, you got to get the right, right position so that you can see more, you know, Apple just brought out what Samsung's had for generations, like, you know, the wide-angle, you know, panoramic lens. Like, you know, it's just one touch of a button and there it is. Like, if you position yourself with the right tools and in the right place, you get the right photo. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lynn. Yes, amen. Surely a Samsung supporter. I want to show you a quick video tonight of someone who positioned their son well to be able to see a lot. Check this out. Look, Simba. Everything the light touches is our kingdom. Wow. A king's time as ruler rises and falls like the sun. One day, Simba, the sun will set on my time here and will rise with you as the new king. And this will all be mine? Everything. Everything the light touches. Sorry, we're not watching a movie tonight. We are here for church and you are going to hear a preach tonight. Wherever the light touches, that is our kingdom. They were the words of Mephasa to his son Simba. You know, God did the same thing with a man in the Bible. He took Abraham up to the top of a hill and said, look out. Look out across all of this land. You know, this was in Genesis chapter 13, and we'll read it in just a moment. Just to put it in some context, the reason why God was showing Abraham all this land was because Abraham had just given away a little bit of land. Him and his nephew Lot had left their hometown, and 
They'd started this massive journey. They've been to Egypt. They've come out of Egypt. They're super wealthy now. They've got a lot. They've got a lot of herds, a lot of people, a lot of stuff. And uh, so much stuff that the land that they were in, like there was not enough room and they started fighting. Their herdsmen started fighting and there's just all this conflict between the two families. And Abraham calls Lot over and says, hey, my nephew, this is not good that we're fighting with family. And look, there's plenty of land that we can live in. So you decide which part of the land you want to go and live in, and then I'll take the other part. And as you know, Lot looks around and sees this beautiful part in the Jordan Valley, and um, Pastor Mark's been there now, so everyone's been there. And you can see it all on his photos and videos on Instagram, Facebook. I feel like I've been in Israel myself lately. I, Lot takes all this amazing land, and then Abraham's like, cool, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll go over and I'll have this part. But then God gets Abraham, says, Abraham, come up here. Check this out. Chapter 13, verse 14 to 17. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west. I'm giving all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction, for I am giving it to you. See, God told Abraham to look, to lift up his head, to lift up his eyes and to look in every direction. You see, Abraham and Lot had just looked across one portion of what God was about to give them. And they separated them side by side. But then God gets Abram and says, look all around. Look to the east, to the west, to the, to the north, and to the south. Look at it all, because that's what I've given to you. You see, Abraham could have chosen then to not go and walk through all of the land, he could have chosen to just go and settle just in one place and just have enough. Well, I've got enough. I've got enough for me. I've got enough for my wife. I've got enough for my kids. I've got enough for their kids. I've got enough for all my cattle. I've got enough for all my stuff. But Abraham didn't. He went walking through all of the land that God had given to him. Sometimes I think because we settle with what we have in God, we actually never realize the full potential of what God has for us. We start to get a little bit comfortable. Life is good, I'm reasonably healthy, not too much is going wrong, I can handle it. And we start to then settle down. And we start to think that, well, this is okay. What I have is enough. I don't need more. But God is saying, look at it all. I've given you all of this land. Don't look down, Abram. Look up. Lift your head. Lift your eyes. And there's a reason that God asked him to do that. You know, when I was deciding what to call my message tonight, I started looking at the original words. And I've got the first one for you up on the screen here. It's lift. And I find it really interesting because... It says NASA, and the way you pronounce it is NASA. 
And I'm like, that's really cool. I wonder if NASA, like, named themselves after, like, Lyft because they're all about, you know, like, lifting rockets and, like, lifting humans up out of space and stuff like that. And I did so much research into NASA and it just took me down a rabbit warren. I was like, whoa, I got to get back out of that one. I'm pretty sure it has nothing to do with this. But anyways, I thought it was really cool and they could have struck gold if they would have actually read the Bible because that's pretty cool if you ask me. But I'm like, I don't want to call my preach NASA because like that's just weird and we don't need weird tonight. The next part it says, and look up. Check this one out. Now you got to roll the R for this one. And it's like, rah. Yeah, you try and say that one. Rah. Like you got to get the huh on the end of the next part. Like I listen to these words in Greek like so many times or Hebrew or whatever it is. I don't know. I just listen to the little sound icon over and over and over. And then I put in brackets, rah. Because that sort of helped me. Uh, work out how to pronounce it. And um, I, I got pretty close practicing in my office. But I also decided that Nassar and Ra'a is not a good message title. So I stuck with look up. Look up. You know, when you look up, you can see a whole lot more. God showed Abraham all of it so that he was able to believe for it. Because when you, when you see something, it gives you greater faith to be able to believe for what you're looking at. Might not be yours yet. And even if you can't see it in the natural, but you can see it in the spiritual realm, we're able to then start to believe for it. So you've got to look up. Abraham didn't stay, and it's why he achieved the beginning of the most amazing story that we have, the father of our faith. He didn't stay. He didn't want to limit what God had for him. See, Abraham could have slipped into some mind games. Can this really be? God, is, is that really all for me? Like, how? But, but there's people living in there, and like, but that's someone else's stuff. Like, can this really be true? Am I hearing right? Surely God doesn't want me to have that much. Surely God doesn't want me to be that prosperous. Surely God doesn't want me to have so much that I would just have too much, that I would have enough to give away. Surely God doesn't want that for me. We've got to lift our eyes up and focus on Jesus. What you focus on is where you end up. What you go for is what you get. If you go for something and you really push in and you press in, you'll get it. Sometimes that can be bad if you're going for the wrong thing. But if you focused on Jesus, it will be good. So the first thing we need to do is to position ourselves. I love that God took Abraham up and he said, look up, look around, lift your eyes, look at all that I have for you. There was these moments in Jesus's ministry when a couple of different people did this very thing. They stopped looking down and around them and they looked up and they were able to receive what they needed from Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus is the first one. He couldn't see, but he positioned himself. In Luke chapter 18, verse 35 to 39, it says, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. And they told him that Jesus, the Nazarene, was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people in front yelled at him. But he only shouted louder. 
Son of David, have mercy on me. You see, he positioned himself to get from God what he needed. He was willing to put himself out there. He was willing to look the fool. You know, what if he had have just got quiet because the people around him told him to be quiet? Would he have got healed? Would he have got healed that day? Would he have got healed in that moment that was about to come? You see, he had to position himself and then despite the opposition, he had to be persistent because then he got his breakthrough. We have to position ourselves and be relentless, not back down from what we've seen. If you've seen something for your life, go for it because you're on the victorious side. You know, we sing it, got to believe it and we got to do it. What we see, what we want to see, what we want to see in our generation, what we want to see in our family, what we want to see in our workplace. We got to see it, believe it and go for it. And we got to keep going back again and again and again. You know, some of us, I believe, have invited people to church or youth or we've tried to share our story with them and we've got knocked back. Well, I want to encourage you, if you don't, if you don't keep casting out the line, you will never catch a fish. You have to keep casting the line if you want to catch a fish. You might not catch it every time, but if you keep casting, you will eventually catch a fish. If you don't, you will never catch a fish. You got to position yourself and then be persistent and stay, be firm. The next thing that happened was the story of the rich young ruler. He was consumed by what he had. He had a little bit of dirt that God had given him, little patch of dirt. And he'd produced something out of it and it made him quite wealthy. But God had so much more for this young man. In Luke chapter 18, verse 18 to 23, the rich young man comes to, to Jesus and asks the question, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus? Asked him. Only God is truly good. To answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. The man replied, should really actually say the man interrupted because there's 10 commandments. Anyways, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was, oh, I get it. Maybe he didn't obey the ones that he didn't let Jesus say. Oh, there's a thought. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, there is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. You see, what the man asked for, Jesus actually gave him right then and there, because Jesus is the only way to eternal life. Jesus said, come and follow me. Come and live with eternal life. Come and follow eternal life because it's the way to get there. We have to position ourselves and stay persistent and hold on if we want to see what we've seen become a reality. A little bit further down, in chapter 19, Jesus meets Zacchaeus. Jesus entered Jericho, made his way through the town. There's a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. He'd become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. 
See, Zacchaeus positioned himself to be able to see Jesus. He wasn't satisfied with where he was. And he wasn't going to allow the limitations, whether they're perceived or real, to stop him from seeing Jesus. Because he knew that that's where the answer was. He could tell that what he wanted in life was found in Jesus. He had clearly pursued other avenues and clearly wasn't satisfied. And he knew that if he could just look upon Jesus, he might get something out of Jesus that he's not getting out of anything else that he's looking at. You see, there's so much of life that can start to consume us, start to pull us down, start to hold us back from what God really wants for our lives. There is so much more for us that God has for us. And we find it when we focus on Jesus, when we look up to Jesus, when we stay with Jesus, when we keep coming back to Jesus. You see, if we become consumed with our little patch of dirt that we have, everything will go wrong. Because that's not where the source of life comes from. You see, if we ever really want to realize all that we can, the potential that's on your life, like the real purpose, plan, and destiny that's on your life, it's Jesus. You got to focus on him. You got to look after him. You got to follow after him. You got to chase after him, jealously protecting you. If we become consumed by what's in our hands, we'll miss what God wants to give us. When we become consumed by what we have already, we begin to think that this is all we have to work with. It starts to rule us. What we have, we think, well, this is it. There's nothing else going on in my world. There's nothing else going on in my life. So maybe this is all I have to work with. Maybe this is my lot in life. This is all I have to build with. This is all I have to hold on with. This is all I have to live with. We start to think that this is all we have to see our miracles come to pass. So we then start to step in to see our miracles come to pass. We can start to think that we need to perform a work through our own hands to make it happen. Don't try and fabricate miracles. Don't try and pull into existence something that only God can do in your own strength because you'll fail. And we can't blame that on God because that's on us. Don't try and fabricate your miracle. You don't need to rely on what's in your hands. You need to let go and reach out for God's hands because in his hands, there's everything. There's access to unlimited resources, unlimited potential. There is no limit with our God. We limit when we start to get consumed by our surroundings and what's in our hands, by the, by the physical surroundings, maybe by the mental surroundings, maybe by the practical surroundings. We think, you know, that when we look at the bank account, that that's all the finance that we have access to. But is that really true? Because behind our bank account is another one that we're allowed to access. We have not because we ask not, Jesus says. There is so much more that he has for us. You know the joke of the scientists who decided to tell God that 
they didn't need God anymore. You know the joke, the dirt? They, they made like a, a clay body and uh, out of some dirt and then they, I don't know, did something and put like a, a human in it somehow and they're like, see God, we don't need you anymore. We can turn dirt into humans ourselves now. And you, I'm sure you know this, yes? No, some of you don't. Well, God replies, well, get your own dirt. That's my dirt. I made that dirt. It's like, yeah, we still need God. See, God is able to breathe into what you have and see more come to life. God is able to breathe his creative breath of life into your circumstance and to see it come to pass, to see what's dead come to life. Because doesn't he have resurrecting power? Doesn't he have healing power? Doesn't he own the cattle on a thousand hills? Isn't our God the God of all gods, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords? He is able to breathe into what we have and see more come to life. Abraham tried to fabricate the miracle that he was waiting for. And what a mess that all turned out. Genesis 16, verses one to six. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. And Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Man, talk about a healthy marriage right there. That's crazy. Abram replied, look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. And Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. I mean, I won't go into it too much. It's, you know, it's a family service. But, you know, childbirth is a pretty interesting time, in, you know, in people's lives. Like, why would you want someone else to sit on your lap? You know, and, and that's like your way of, you know, seeing your children being born. I mean, what a weird concept. Like, what a crazy thing to think that Sarai, it just got messy. And then it got ugly, and then it caused a vision. It was just a whole lot of mess. There's always a whole lot of mess when we try to step in and do God's part of the job. See, we've got to believe. We've got to have faith. We've got to do what we can do and let God do what only God can do. When we get out of the way, he's able to do the miracles that he's promised us to do. We don't need to step in and do it on his behalf. We just got to look up. Stop focusing down and around here. Look up to him. Go, Jesus, I still believe in you. I'm still holding on. I still want what I've asked you for in my life. Pastor Mark said it this morning in his message, John 10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. You see, Jesus came to give us life and give it to us in abundance, full and satisfying. It actually means excessive. 
That word abundance means excessive. To give us life and give us excessive life. That's what Jesus said he wants for us. So when we stop getting consumed by what's going on around us and we look up to Jesus, there is so much more out there for you and I. You know, when we, when we hold on to stuff that we shouldn't hold on to, it can actually stop us from receiving what God has for us. You know, maybe it's something that God has given you, but maybe it was just for a season. Maybe it was for the season that's come and gone, and God now wants to give you more, but he's still holding on. Or maybe it's something that you've fabricated, you've built, you've developed, something that you've worked hard for. Not necessarily bad stuff, just good stuff, just stuff. But now you're starting to rely on stuff instead of still believing in what God has for you. It's Phil. Phil Ball. Stand up, Phil. Phil loves to drink milk, but he also loves water. So, Phil, I have a little, uh, I have a little gift for you, and uh, Ebony's going to give it to you. It's a nice bottle of water. Look at that. You didn't even have to sit on the front row to get some water tonight. <laughs> My pleasure, Phil. I got something better for you, though. Do you want it? Well, come up and get it. Come on, Phil. Sparkling water, Voss. This is so much better. You see, you could have sat there and stayed satisfied with your bottle of water, but then you wouldn't have got this. Do you want it? Okay. There you are. There's no milk. Sorry. <laughs> hey, but you got sparkling water. That's pretty good. I like that. Asking for more. Good job. Iona, I've got something for you. Quickly come up on stage. I feel like Oprah. This is fantastic. All right, here it is. That's okay. That's your Macca's trip tonight? That's awesome. Hey, I've got, I've got something else for you if you want it. I've got more. Would you like more? Yes, please. That's a good answer. I like that. All right, here it is. Does this one look better? It's brown. That one's pink. Pink's a good color, but brown's a better color when it comes to cash. Would you like this? Awesome. Are you willing to let go of what you've already got for more? Yes? Okay, awesome. Thanks. There you are. No worries. Is that Macca's still or are you going somewhere else for dinner tonight? Sorry? Oh, GYG now. That's awesome. So good. Hey, Iona, I got something else for you. Do you want it?
See, this one's green. This one's more. Are you willing to let go of that one for this one? Yes? All right. Cool. There you are. Where are you going now? Europe. Come on, that's awesome. Hey, Iona. Do you want more? Awesome. Well, God's got more for you tonight. <laughs> Where's Caleb Bedville? Is Caleb Bedville here? <laughs> Jason Bedville is. Where is he? He's not here? Oh, well, he's really going to miss out tonight. <laughs> You'll take it. Awesome. Come on up, Harry. I've got something for you. It's not money, it's a shirt. There you are. That's a free shirt, man. That costs $4.50. It's from Kmart. It's extra large. That'll fit you too. Awesome. Would you like something else? Would you like more? Yeah? This box is better. Here you are. Are you willing to let go of what you've already received to get something else? Sure. Good answer. There you are. I'm pretty sure that one will fit you too. Ooh, there you are. Nice. No shorts, but that's pretty good, eh? Bless you, Harry. Right, I've got a gift for my mum tonight. Yes. Ebony, can you go give my mum that gift? Thank you. Hey, yeah, mum. Mum loves coffee and tea. <laughs> there you are. It's a nice, pretty mug. That one's also from Kmart. It's not bone china. That one is fake china. Yes. Would you like something else, though? Would you like more? You've got to come up and get it. Yes. Come on, Mum. I actually just wanted to give my mum a gift tonight, so this whole thing is just for Mum. So that one's from that one's from Kmart, but but this one's this one's not from Kmart, as you can see. And uh, you willing to let go of that one to take this one? Yep. There you are, a collectible. You can keep that one too, I don't want it. <laughs> Do you want a bag? You can have a bag too. Careful, that one is actually bone shot. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, thanks. Oh, I love you, Mum. You know, I wouldn't be here without her, so she's very important. I've got a gift for Jenny tonight too. Jenny, can we go give Jenny her gift? There it is. Oh, all the girls like, oh, so cute. Aww. There you are, Jenny. Some pretty flowers. I don't know if you like pink, but pink it is. Yes. Would you like a bigger bunch, Jenny? 
You got to come up and get it though. <laughs> Jenny, you can just come down the front here. You don't have to come up on stage tonight. But Tiana's got a better bunch of flowers for you tonight. There it is. Bless you, Jenny. Enjoy those. It's probably enough to put both sides of your bed. So like Steve's side smells really good too and your side, some on the bench as well. I actually really need a drink. Can I have a cup of coffee, please? Thank you. And that is... I'm very accustomed to drinking this sort of coffee. Well, I can't do this one. You can have that one back. Can I have a better cup of coffee, please, Steve? Thank you. Come on, everyone give Steve a massive applause. Our cafe leader. What a man. Yes, now we're talking. Come on. You know what? Who needs water when you've got caramel latte from Steve? Mm. That is the best side of pulpit drink I've ever had. <laughs> when we ask God to come through for us, when we ask God for what we need, he is faithful toward us. If you've got just enough, that's not what God has for you. God is a God of abundance. God is a God of extravagance. God is a God of love. God is a God who owns it all, who created it all, and he has so much more for you. If you get satisfied with what you have, you will never get what God has for you. We have to be willing to hold loosely what we have now, to recognize we're stewards and just to hold loosely, to be willing to let it go because God will always give it back to you in abundance, more than you can ever even have in your own ability. There was this man that asked God, God, what is a million days like for you? And he's like, well, son, it's, it's just like one minute to you. And then he goes, God, can I have one dollar? Surely that must be like a million dollars to you. You see, we're not from here. We're from another place. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 to 11, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation. We've got to believe this stuff. We've got to believe it. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. You see, when we get used to what we have and we get comfortable with what we have, we will miss out on the all and the more that God has for us. There is so much more for you. 
So much more that He wants to do in you and through you. You see, if we start to believe like we are, who God says we are, that we're ambassadors and we're strangers and we're from another place, if we get used to living in the heavenlies, then we'll live like we live in the heavenlies. We'll act like we are from the heavenlies. Keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. You're not the tail, you're the head. You're royalty. You gotta believe it and you gotta live like it. You see, where we focus is where we will live. When we look down, that's all we're ever going to achieve. We gotta look up. Who we focus on is who we will become. If we focus on the circumstance and the people around us, that's who we will become. But when we look up and focus on Jesus, as we imitate our lives after Jesus, that's who we will become like. Can I get the band to come back up, please? Look up. Don't look down at your circumstance. Don't look down at your bank account. Don't look down at the the issue that you're going through in your body. Don't look down at the issue you're going through in your family. Don't look down at the issues going on and around the world. Look up to Him who is above it all. Look up to Him who is able to be over all. He's able to take you through all and into all that He has for you. The Bible says in Psalm 36, your unfailing love, O Lord, is, a vast, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice like the ocean depths. Your care for people and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. You feed them from the abundance of your own house, letting them drink from your river of delights. For you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. Tonight, I wanna encourage you that He is everything. He is everything that you could ever want or ever need. It's all wrapped up in Jesus. And all we have to do is in every circumstance, just lift our head, lift our arms, lift our eyes and look upon the face of Jesus. Look towards the one who is able to get you through. Don't worry about what's going on around you. Lift your head. Look to the one who's able to pull you out and take you into His glory. Look up. He's the giver of all good things. He wants the best for you. That's where He thinks and that's where He plans. And where you stop imagining, that's where He starts, the Bible says. He's the giver of life, of salvation, of hope, of restoration, of unfailing forgiveness and mercy. He's the giver of gifts and the gift of the Holy Spirit who keeps on giving. He is the giver of all good things. Nothing good comes from anywhere else except from Jesus. So don't look to the world Don't look to your bosses. Don't look to the ones around you. Look up and look to Him because that's where you'll find it all. That's where the world will find it all. As we look up and as we show them the goodness of our great God, they'll want to come. They'll come running home as they look upon what we have as we live in the heavenly realm as royalty. And they'll say, I want into that. I want what you've got. Your family members that don't know Jesus, show them Him. 
your neighbours, your colleagues who don't know Jesus. Show them the goodness of knowing Him.